Welcome to episode 97 of McChesney Unchained, coming to you from the bar and studio down here at DNVR. Make sure you ch- uh, follow them on Twitter or Instagram at DNVR underscore sports, and you get your Colorado ass down here to watch any and all sporting activities on the big screens downstairs. Get yourself a beer and yuck it up with the DNVR staff. This place is legit. Uh, now that we're in an, an orange restriction, uh, go Broncos. Um, you can come down and enjoy yourself down here at the DNVR DNVR bar and studio off of Colfax. I am your host, Matt McChesney. This is episode 97 of McChesney Unchained, and it is about as good as episode as I can bring you to wrap up the regular season of the NFL 2020, the, the, the Colorado Buffalo season, uh, and so much more. Um, we have great guests today from uh, the voice of your Denver Broncos uh, and the head coach at Cherry Creek, a great buff, great Brown, and a great Bronco coach Dave Logan will be joining us at the beginning of the show. And then at the end of the show, to wrap it up, we'll be having the uh, the head coach of your Golden Colorado Buffaloes, Mr. Carl Durrell, on to talk about uh, the 4-2 and two Colorado Buffaloes and going back to a bowl game this year and really exceeding every expectation that was set up in Boulder uh, and where they go from here with the return of Nate Landman and a great defense, Mustafa and Kennard and so many others. So we're going to wrap all that up uh, at, at the end of the show and it, and it It'll be uh, as, informative, as informative as it is entertaining. So let's get into this right away. Uh, before Coach Logan comes on, I just want to tell everybody that uh, the, the show here, McChesney Unchanged, has been, uh, has been sponsored now by DraftKings, just like everything else down here at DNVR. And, and I'm damn proud to, uh, to bring DraftKings on, McChesney Unchained, and the turning point when we start that back up. Uh, to talk about, you know, sports betting and give you a little bit of tips and, and whatnot. So make sure that you check out at Six Zero Academy and at DNVR Unchained consistently on Twitter. I'll be posting uh, all the betting stuff that we're doing this weekend for the playoffs and the national title game, the parlays, uh, the touchdown scores. Um, I, I have been absolutely killing it this year. I'm, I'm really thinking about opening up McChesney Sportbook. That's a joke, of course, but I've been killing it this year and I'd love to share my knowledge with uh, all you unchained heads out there and uh, put some money in your pocket. So make sure you get on uh, DraftKings and sign up. And uh, a little later in the show, I'll be giving you all the information uh, about how to use the promo codes and what to do so you can maximize your dollars watching a little bit of football, basketball, and so much more. So episode 97 rolls. Uh, Coach Logan is going to come on the show and and talk just about the Denver Broncos and their future and Floyd Little. And before he does, I just wanted to talk about the Broncos a little bit because I'm not going to really linger on this very long. The new general manager, I hope it's Champ Kelly. I know Champ. He was there in Denver when I was there uh, for the short time I was. But he's a great dude, and I, I think that he's earned the right to be in this position that he's in. I think that he would come in and be a really, really good middleman between Vic and John uh, to, to kind of get some new ideas in here and bring in some fresh blood. So I'm hoping he's the guy. Um, but when it comes down to it, it's all about ownership. And until they figure out the ownership situation, it's going to be really hard to figure out the future of the Denver Broncos and speculate uh, in an educated manner. So, you know, Ellis's contract is up at the end of next year. Elway's contract is up and he's already moved out of the role and moved up to and promoted himself essentially, which Mr. Elway, you, I don't know how you do this, but you are Teflon brother. Um, the Drew Locke situation. I agree that uh, I agree with some that he should be the guy but I also think that that ninth pick, if the right guy's there, you, you might have to take him just to create a little bit of, uh, of uh, 
competition in the room. We'll see what Coach Logan has to say about that, maybe bring in a veteran. Um, and I'm telling you, that ninth pick, if Patrick Sertain II is sitting there at nine, I don't see how you can miss on that kid. His numbers don't mean anything to me. He's a shutdown corner, and his dad was a great player in this league for a lot of years, so the, that football lineage is there. That would be my my pick at nine if I were the general manager of the Denver Broncos. So they have a lot of, of cap space, but they still have to figure out Vaughn. They have to figure out Justin Simmons. They have to figure out Shelby Harris. At some point, they're going to need to extend Reisner. Um, and at some point, if Drew's the guy next year, they're going to have to figure out a way to extend him as well. So uh, Coach Logan is going to come on the show now, episode 97, Chesney Unchained, and talk about just that and so much more. So let's get this rolling. And... Uh, and then before we bring on Coach Durrell, we'll obviously let you know. So don't go anywhere, folks. Episode 97, roll with Coach Dave. And it's my honor and pleasure to bring on the voice of your Denver Broncos and the great buff, great brown, and a great Bronco, and the head coach of Cherry Creek, and amongst other things, a leader in this community and a guy I really look up to, Mr. Dave Logan, joins us here on episode 97 of McChesney Unchained uh, to talk about a little bit of everything. And uh, I'm damn proud to have him on the show uh, as we wrap up uh, a crazy 2020 football season. So, Coach Logan, Welcome to the show, my brother. And uh, is your shoulder okay? You good? Yeah, I. Uh, good to be with you, Matt. I uh, I took a little spill and I have uh, broken my collarbone. Oh so no! That happens when you uh, when you start to age a bit. I think, but I'm <laughs> I'm going to be in a sling for a while. But I'm good. Uh, I, I can't. I can't. Uh, I haven't shaved. I like it since then. So I looking, like the rustic look. Hey, man, I've never. I don't know that I'll keep it, but I'm going to keep it as long as I cannot really operate with my right hand. I love it, man. Grizzly Adams Logan. I dig there it. There you go. All right, so let's get into this, Coach Logan, right off the bat. First and foremost, congratulations on another state title this year at Creek. You guys put out one hell of a, a class again this year. We'll talk about a little bit of recruiting stuff at the end, but first, uh, I was listening to the broadcast on Sunday. One thing I try and do with you and Ricky is I try and sync it up to the TV and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I heard what you had to say about Floyd Little, and I, I want to start with that. Just what what is what does the franchise mean to the to the Broncos to to you? And I heard what you had to say about him on the broadcast, and it brought me to tears, man. And and uh, just talk a little bit about Floyd and and what he's meant to you and the franchise and and uh, the legacy he leaves behind. Well, you know what i i was uh, I was blessed to have grown up here in Denver, and and I was a you know product pretty much of the '60s. So when I first started watching football, the Broncos were in their infancy, and of course, the first year they played was 1960, and they they really you know they didn't have great teams. I mean, they were teams that uh, more times than not lost. Uh, they were teams that struggled to find a starting quarterback. And then in 1967, uh, they draft Floyd Little uh, in the first round, I believe, the sixth overall pick, and he becomes the first first round draft choice to ever sign with the Broncos. Wow. And I, immediately, I think it gave them, it gave them some credibility amongst uh, football people. I mean, I'm, I'm a young punk, but uh, we didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance to go to a lot of Broncos games, went to maybe a handful, but certainly watched him on TV. And as soon as Floyd got here, um, you know, he was, he was basically everything to them. He was a kickoff return guy, punt return guy, a guy that ran the football, a guy that caught the football, 
Um, and he was just close to a one-man team. No disrespect to the other guys. But, I mean, he did everything for this team. And they still struggle, right? But, um, you know, I think, and I said this on the broadcast, I think with all due respect to John Elway, and I think maybe John would even concur with me, I think Floyd Little was the single most important person in Denver Broncos history. I think wow. because without Floyd, I don't know that we have the Denver Broncos. I'm not so sure that the Broncos don't wind up moving to another city. He gave them legitimacy. Uh, he gave them flashes of greatness. And, and what I was so happy, Matt, was that in 2010, he got recognized for all of that. And it took, it took the Hall of Fame a long time to do it. I commend that they finally did it, but they should have done it sooner. Uh, that they put Floyd Little in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This was a guy, and I'll, I'll end it with this, uh, that from 67 to 75 um, rushed for more yards than any person in pro football except O.J. Simpson. Wow. Now, not many people would know that. If you ask, even hardcore football fans, if you ask them across yeah, I didn't the country, know that. hey, who back then in that nine-year period had the most rushing yards behind OJ Simpson. I, I can almost assure you very few answers would be Floyd Little. But that's that's a tribute to his greatness. And then I think the thing that struck me the most was in my job now, you get a chance to meet some of these guys at various functions. And I got a chance to meet Floyd, know him a little bit. And you know what? He was as great a person off the field as he was on the field, character guy, uh, humble, um, which is a trait that I think too often these days. It's very difficult to find and um, always treated people with respect in the right way. And he was just, he was somebody that it really was important to me as a kid growing up. And I was blessed to have known him a little bit. Yeah, he will be missed. And uh, I know that Broncos country and, and everybody down there at Dove Valley will, will hold 44 in high regard as you and I will as well. So no doubt. rest in peace to the franchise. And uh, he's definitely a standard that you want to live up to off the field and on. So uh, yeah. rest, rest in peace, big guy. Thank you very much, Floyd. All right, let's get into this a little bit more. Coach Logan joins us here on McChesney Unchained, episode 97, as we roll. Uh, obviously, huge news yesterday with the Broncos and Coach, El or, or Coach Elway, hell, John Elway moving up and stepping down at the same time. I think that's it's a pretty good move. Um, I don't know how he swung that off, but he sure as hell did. Uh, how do you feel about the move, and what are you looking for in a general manager, not necessarily who is going to be the general manager? Well, I mean, I think I think the bottom line is uh, it'll be a good move for John. I think at this point of his career, uh, and he mentioned this yesterday in the, in the uh, press conference, he's 60 years old. He's got seven grandkids. Wow. Uh, there are other things that that he'd like to do that uh, in, in running a pro football franchise, uh, you know, to find that work, that, that balance between work life and home life, I think can be challenging. Very. It's challenging for a lot of people. Uh, in, in today's times. But um, listen, I, I think it'll be a good move. I think it'll be a challenge for John uh, to sort of step back and step away. And it's been, it's been pretty clearly stated that, uh, you know, the new GM is going to have the final say on anything and everything connected with the football uh, side of the uh, building. And so that new GM is going to be in charge of the draft and free agent acquisition uh, and player development and scouting. And he's, he, that person's going to be in charge of everything. That's going to be different, I think, for John Elway. And I think it's easy. I think it'll be easier for him to say, yeah, that's going to be fine. And I'll just be here as a buffer. And I'll just be here to bounce ideas off on and, 
But I think when you put that into play, I think there will be some challenging moments for him. That's just my my personal opinion. But I but I do think it's the right move. I think John would be the first to say the last four years have been really disappointing. I mean, you've got four losing seasons back to back to back. Truth. Uh, to back. And then a fifth season that you don't make the playoffs. This franchise has been spoiled uh, over a long period of time with uh, their ability to sustain excellence. And we've just seen them drop to depths that – unless you were a fan of the 60s that you've never experienced. And so I think I think fans are rightfully um, upset about it. I think they're frustrated with what they've seen in the field. And I think sometimes if you just bring a new set of ideas and a new set of eyes and you're willing to step back a little bit uh, and not think that, um, you know, your idea is the only idea that could possibly work, I mean, open your mind a little bit and bring people in that might have a different way of doing things, as long as that's the right person, then I applaud the Broncos. I think it was a good move. So there's a lot of names floating around out there. The, the one that I know personally, I mean, my dream GM would be Ozzie Newsome, but he's not coming out of retirement. Champ Kelly's sitting out there. I know you know Champ. Uh, Champ has been with the Broncos a long time. He's a really good dude. Been in the personnel department forever. He was there when I was there. Uh, I'm hoping, got fingers crossed, that, that he uh, gets the GM job. But I'm just bringing that up because how important is it to actually have Bronco ties or should we be looking, should the Broncos be looking for somebody that doesn't have any Bronco ties for some of those new ideas, like you said, quickly? Yeah, I, th I think they, uh, I think they should be looking at the absolute best candidate they can find. Good call. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that has to be a candidate with Broncos ties. You know, Ozzie Newsom was a teammate of mine and a great friend and, um, I remember talking to him when he was thinking about making this move. And I said, you know, you're way too young to do this. What, why, why? He said, you know what? I'm just tired. I'm tired and, and I can step up and I can let Eric run the organization and still have his fingerprints on it. Ozzy may have been, and again, I'm biased because we were teammates for, I don't know, seven or eight years. To me, that he may be the best example of a former player transitioning through all the different levels of, of the sport with the team and then ultimately running the football side of the team and the success he had. I mean, you go back and look at what they did in Baltimore after the move from Cleveland, and it's, it's, it's unbelievable the draft choices and the teams that that guy put together. And, and John certainly has had some success. I mean, a great deal of success. He got two Super Bowls for sure. He's missed, and they have missed on some draft choices in the last four or five years. That's no secret. Um, but you also got to get him credit for putting together and, and, and bringing Peyton Manning in. I think he was an integral part of that. And he also, after they got blown out in Super Bowl 48, he changed course midstream and said, you know what, I'm going to build this defense. And he brought in uh, who TJ Ward and the key to um DeMarcus yep. Ware. And so, and that, you know, we all know how two years later that ended with Super Bowl 50 championships. So, yeah, but to answer your question around about way, I just think you got to find you've got to be open minded. Uh, you know, people ask, hey, does it have to be somebody with great experience? Does it have to be somebody who's done this job before? You know, I think that's important, but to me, that's not the the absolute most important thing. I, I think you find a guy whose vision you can buy into and has a clear cut plan in terms of how he's going to attack this situation because it, it needs a lot of work. It this does. roster has some good looking young players, Matt, but this, this thing needs some work. And I think it's, it, to me, this is such a critical hire given where the Broncos are today. 
The voice of your Denver Broncos, head coach of Cherry Creek and great buff Brown and Bronco, Mr. Dave Logan, coach Dave Logan joins us here on episode 97 McChesney Unchained. Uh, one more group together Bronco question before we talk to you about a little uh, Colorado high school football. You just mentioned how many great young players are on this roster, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, you know, Vaughn coming back and hopefully being healthy and maybe restructuring, he can lead them on, onto the field next year again, get Shelby back, so on and so forth. One, are you are you fortifying the team and rolling with Drew Locke at nine if you're the GM? Or are you picking a quarterback at nine and throwing him into the fire with Drew and saying, we've got two good players at this position and one of them is going to be the starter. And then we're going to stockpile our quarterback in, in the second string. Uh, I'm, I'm up in the mindset that we should draft a quarterback every year just to, you never know when you're going to hit. Um, so give me, give me your, your thoughts just primarily on the quarterback position and what you would do at number nine before we move on. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I I think, and I've gone back and looked at every single game the Broncos have had, I'm sure, as have you. Um, there are times that this guy makes throws that you're just sort of astonished. It's like, wow. John that, there, there have been, you know, two handfuls of throws this season that, I mean, they are elite throws. They're, they're throws that, you know, I'm not saying that nobody can make them, but I'm saying the bottom half of the league in terms of starting quarterbacks wouldn't even think about making them, nor could they make those throws. So that's intriguing to me. On the other hand, um, they led the league in turnovers. They led the league in interceptions. So I, th I think you have to have a heart-to-heart, -heart, and maybe it's sitting in a room, and maybe it's with Drew, and maybe it's not with Drew. But you have to have a heart-to-heart -heart and come to, the, come to the conclusion as, listen, is this guy going to be markedly improved next year is he in the right offense are we surrounding him with the right uh from a schematic standpoint the right ideas that that put him in the best possible position to succeed i i think you know on a positive i've just said some of the throws he made i i do think he's got enough athletic ability not to be a, a running quarterback but to be a guy that can use his speed to escape pressure uh, to buy some time, those type of things. So I think there's a lot of positives that Drew Locke has. Um, but the reality is, and you know this as well as I do, you, you can't be dead last in throwing the ball to the wrong team. No, you you've got to come to the conclusion but by next year. And I think it has to be a process with Drew that, listen, I love you, and but you got to understand something. You're not on scholarship. If, you know, <laughs> if, if you've got to, your decision-making has got to improve. And I think that's part of, and I've said this before on the air, I think, you know, NFL coaches, a lot of times, they want to coach schemes. They want to coach concepts. They really, you know, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them don't really want to spend a lot of time on individual technique for that particular position. Individual and these guys coming out of college, you know, a lot of them are not, the majority of them are not finished products. They, they've got to. So to me, I think from what I've seen, I think you can coach out of Drew some of the decisions that he made. And I think, and I'll be brief with this, I think um, I think a couple of things come to mind. I think Drew played in Missouri and played in the SEC. Uh, I, I would submit that Missouri, more times than not, when playing in a conference, we're playing better teams with better athletes. Yep. More times than not, they're behind the second half. And so you get, you, in college, you get to the point where you know, you're down 31 to 13 and you've got a third down to 12 and you're like, you know what? I've got four wide receivers. I'm going, I'm going four verts. 
and I'm picking one of the two inside guys and I'm throwing. Well, that's fine because, and, and you can, you can sort of lapse into that sort of thinking. If that's not coached out of you, when you're in the NFL, you've got some real issues because you have to value the football much, much more, I think, than maybe you would in a situation if you're 18 points down in the second half of a conference game in college. The second thing is, I think the absolute worst thing for not only Drew Locke, but a lot of other quarterbacks that are not named Mahomes and not named Rodgers is they see this stuff on ESPN where those two guys, I mean, those two guys are so uncommon, I can't even tell you how great they are. And I've been around this game a long time. But they, but these other quarterbacks see Mahomes and, and Rock Rogers roll to their left and throw it sidearm and throw it, you know, not looking at guys. And you can get lulled into the sort of intrigue of that throw. And you can say, well, wait a minute, why, why can't I? So I saw Drew this year throw too many times, not getting his feet set, throw too many times, giving ground in the pocket. I mean, too much of that. So to you know, a very long-winded answer. I think this kid can play. So I would not draft a quarterback at nine, but I would I would make very certain he understood that hey, this year cannot be anything like last year. And I also would bring in a veteran quarterback Amen. that that I that I thought could play and that I thought I could win with. Not a guy that was just there as a backup quarterback. A guy that hey, if uh, whatever, if anything happens, can I start this guy? For 16 games, it can we win 10 or 11? And that's the job of the new GM and Vic Fangio to, to find that guy. If in fact, that's the road they want to go down, identify him and try to get him as a Bronco. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the, the name that I would love to see. I, I wouldn't shy run. away from him at all. That would be kick-ass. All right, so – uh, let's put a bow on this as it is the holiday season, or they just wrapped up episode 97 McChesney Unchained here at DNVR. We're down at the studio down here off of Colfax. Uh, the bar is open. Come down, support your local small business, watch the nugs and everybody else play. Um, all right, coach, you just won another state title at Creek. Uh, you guys put out, let's see, Helm went to Texas. Arden went to Missouri. Uh, Fitzpat Fitzpatrick, is that his name? Big George went to. He's, he's back. Oh, he's back. He's committed to Rutgers, though, right? No, no, no. You're talking. Uh, no, you're 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 talking um, about Gus. Yeah, Zalikas. Gus. So he's Gus, going to Rutgers. Gus went Rutgers. to Rutgers. Yes. Got Ashford going to uh, West. What Ashford went to Wisconsin. I mean, your purchase is going. Miles to, purchase uh, with Iowa, Iowa State. State. Chase Penry, a uh, guy that I've worked with, with a lot, went to CU. So that that team over there is loaded, and you guys do such a great job developing your talent and helping them out. Um, we put out another twenty-one down at six-zero this year for signing day. So just just talk about just the state of high school football in Colorado a little bit, and give everybody a little bit of information, and and then uh, just from 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 my from deep down inside me to you, thank you for all you do for this community, brother, because uh, I, I think that Colorado is improving each and every year. I just see the talent getting better and better and the coaching getting better and better and the coverage getting better and better. And I think it's just a matter of time before we're regarded where we should be nationally. Well, uh, you know what? I, I do think high school football has improved dramatically. I mean, I just finished my uh, 28 years as a head coach and I can tell you starting in 93, um, to today, there's no comparison in terms of how uh, kids are prepared and how kids are coached. And uh, I, I think because we're a smaller state, I think sometimes people uh, that are not in the state sort of look down their nose in terms of high school football. And I will tell you this, um, 
you know, you take the top two or three, three or four, four or five teams every single year in the state. And in some years, um, the top two, you, you could play a lot of other best teams in other states and do just fine. Now, it, you know, you, you got you got more players in Texas and California and Louisiana. And I understand that because the, the states are bigger. And I think I think high school football is regarded a little bit differently in some of those other states. I'd like to see it become more more of a focal point here, more important. We're One thing there. I would disagree. Yeah, I would disagree with your comment about it's it's, it's better covered. I, I think the coverage is lousy. Really? Um, and I've said this before. I think it's a disservice to the kids. Part of it is we we lost the Rocky Mountain News. You lose guys like Neil Devlin. You lose Marsha Neville. You lose some of these people that really dedicated most of their professional or a lot of their professional career to covering high school sports. Now you've got guys that do it and, and do, you know, do a good job. I just don't think you've got enough guys and the papers are, they're, they're, they're thin right now. They laid people off, they fire people. So you got guys covering high school sports that have to cover other beats and it's tough on them. That's, not, that's a I'm great taking, point. Great point. Yeah. I'm not taking shots at them. I just think, you know, we don't do a service to the kids in this community, the kids in this Metro area, with respect to how we cover, it's not just football because I'm a football coach. It's how we cover everything. And I think, you know, I'd like to see us do a much, much better job of that than we do. I mean, the, the you know, the state championship games used to be on altitude. Yeah, I used, and, to, I used and, to do color for them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's silly to me. It's silly to me that high school state championship, and I'll speak strictly of football, but I think basketball too. 100%. Uh, maybe baseball and other sports. They should be on over-the-air TV. I mean, you you have to sign up to watch the state championship game and pay for it uh, online. Now, all due respect, you know they do a good job. That's silly to me. I agree. That, that's it's just silly. So, um, but but I think again, I think there are, I think there are a number of really good coaches and good programs here, and I just think we're we sort of fly under the radar because we're one of the smaller states. Good point, coach. I mean, I talking and now thinking about it you're damn right i mean the the coverage is pretty lousy when when i started six zero back in the day i remember four five years straight we did the color commentary at at the stadium it was awesome yeah. they put a lot of time into it they went and covered the banquets and all that kind of stuff and i mean yeah. they didn't even do an all colorado team last year it was the denver post so they i i do agree that they need to pick it up and it's, it's one of the reasons i'm so vocal and adamant on social media with trying to help all these kids and, and get the get their names out there so uh, thank you so much, Coach, for coming on the show and, and talking about the Broncos and Colorado High School football and, uh, and so much more. Congratulations on another great state title. Uh, and uh, Thanks, I know you'll be rolling into 2021 ready to go. And uh, I'll definitely be listening to you each and every day as we get ready for the draft for the, the Broncos. You and Ricky are killing it, so keep it up. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. You're the man, Coach. Thank you so much. Episode 97, McChesney Unchained Rolls, and I want to tell you about our new partnership here on the show uh, with DraftKings. And DraftKings Sportsbook is elite, and you know it's the playoffs now, and I know you want to talk about the playoffs. That's right. we got football playoffs. They start this weekend, and there's no better place to get in all the action uh, than with DraftKings Sportsbook. It's America's top-rated sports app, and if you haven't checked it out the app yet, there's no better place and time to do it than now. 
they celebrate the most exciting time in football season, which is the playoffs, by giving you a chance to double your money. And all it takes is for one touchdown to be scored on, on Saturday's football game. So once you opt in and place your bet, all you have to do is sit back and wait for that touchdown to hit. And it's one of the things that I've really been hitting on this year is picking who's going to score. Last week, I picked Chenault. Uh, the the two guys that scored for the Colts, what was it, Jonathan Taylor and T.Y. Hilton, that hit for about 8,500. And then in the Bronco game, when Judy took that one to the house, 92 yards, uh, I also had picked Waller and Jacobs to score on a $500 bet, and that hit for about nine grand. So uh, we are stacking chips here on McChesney Unchained. Uh, DraftKings is safe, it's secure and reliable, and it makes it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Make sure that you download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code D NBR when you sign up to have a shot at doubling your money. If a touchdown is scored in one of Saturday's uh, football games, that code is DNVR for all new players to get a shot at doubling their money. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, you must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Make sure you go DraftKings and download that app. And it is my honor and pleasure on episode 97, McChesney Unchained here at dnbr.com. Make sure you go check it out at dnbr underscore sports on Twitter and Instagram. To bring on the head coach of the Golden Colorado Buffaloes, uh, Mr. Carl Durrell joins us here on episode 97. Uh, coach, it is an honor to have you on the show. Thanks again for doing this and wrapping up uh, 2020. Uh, four and two made the Alamo bowl. I know it's not what you, what you wanted with the outcome down there, but you got a chance to look at a lot of young guys play. Um, just give me your, your synopsis of, of 2020 and, and coming in and dealing with everything you did and, and, uh, talk about your football team a little bit. Well, thanks for having me on, Matt. I appreciate that very much. And I know you're a busy man and all the things that you do too, but it's been a, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, 2020 was an interesting year, and thank goodness it's over. You know, it's yeah. on to this year, and and uh, but there was a lot of really great things that that I felt you know were were some pretty significant steps that our program made. You know, since my arrival here, you know, you remember I was hired on February 23rd, which is really yeah. a month, and it's in a month's time from now. You know, it's a month and a half from wow. now. Wow. And you know, I would say just kind of marching through the year quickly. You know you know, really two, two weeks on the job, you know, we get hit with this COVID thing. You know, we were, we were actually two weeks prior to starting spring practice. If you remember, we were getting ready to start spring practice. I think it was around March 13th and I was hired on February 23rd. And so we're getting ready for that to happen. And then literally within days of that date, you know, Rick George comes out and says, Hey, to the whole athletic department, all our student athletes, men, women, you're going home. <laughs> and it was like uh and and a lot of the time if, if you remember there was a little bit of pandemonium going on early about well what is this thing that they're sending us home on and a lot of our student athletes were obviously concerned and scared and all those things so we sent them home and so they finished the semester you know remotely and they did a tremendous job academically in doing that so we missed a lot of time you know we missed a lot of time just offensive, defensive information, special teams, things that we want to kind of get lay the groundwork on, weren't able to do that. And we felt, okay, well, we'll just continue to teach the information just like we're having this Zoom podcast right now. We did it over Zoom. Right. So we did all that stuff all the way through the month of June. And then finally, 
July hits and, and the, the, the conference and the NCAA decided to say, all right, okay, we'll kind of start putting our toe in the water now. We'll let you start training. We'll let you start doing some, uh, some workouts and some walkthroughs, things like that, just to see if we can start a, you know, the season on time. So we were really excited about that. Hey, finally, we get back or get to see our players in person, on the field, doing walkthroughs, still training, doing things like that. So we were able to do that for about maybe, I want to say it was six or seven sessions of that. And then finally they pulled the plug again. Well, we're not Crazy. having the season. So at that point in time, Matt, it was probably – I would say this is the beginning of August. We're getting ready to start school up. Our kids are frustrated as you know what at this point. And they say, you know what, coach, we're not playing. Why are we here? So I sent them home. I sent them home for one last time with the family before we start school, which was starting up on on August 24th. So at that point as a staff, we were kind of in the frame of mind of, well, if we're not playing this fall, Maybe they'll allow us to have a fall spring, you know, to just to work on football developmental instruction, that type of thing, still bring our team along, still keep coaching and doing, you know, still progressing in their development, but maybe have this spring type of atmosphere, you know, in October and November. Right. And I think that was actually how the conference was kind of leading it that, yeah, we're going to allow you to do these things. Well, as you remember, Matt, the SEC said we're playing. The ACC yeah. said we're playing. <laughs> so they started playing. And in a lot of ways, and a lot of positive results, you know, they, you know, there were still some issues, but they were still were able to play. And I think at that point in time, even us coaches in the Pac-12 were saying, well, should we really reconsider this? You know, maybe we should talk to our ADs and our presidents about maybe having some sort of season. So – Discussions started about, and then finally it did come to a point where the conference said, you know what, we will start up. We're going to start up, uh, and like I believe the Big Ten started in October, October 31st to be exact. We decided to start November 7th, and that was our date. So thank goodness for that. You know, we we wanted to play. Everyone was playing two games during the year. We just wanted to play games. So we got back into ramping up getting ready to play a season. But Matt, remember I told you this, we had an incomplete summer. I have a team that I sent home and then brought back. So we're going to start training camp October 9th. It was a Friday, October 9th. That was our first day of practice. So at that point in time, I'm like, okay, I know half of our teams in shape is in good shape. The other half was home. You know, they really weren't doing much. You know, we had kind of an incomplete summer. So we had to march through training camp feeling like, well, we do got to get the information in, but yet we have to do it cautiously because our team's not in very good shape. Right. So we did our 24 practices with that in mind of getting the information in, trying to do it as well as we can, but yet be really conscious of where they were physically. So we marched through that. We got to the end of the month. We finally got to a point where we said, okay, we're ready to roll. You know, right, ready or not, here we go. So we started the, our first season, you know, our first game of the year, November 7th against UCLA. And we came out and we had, we played pretty well. You know, we played pretty well. So, you know, I marched through that time frame for everyone on, that's, that's visualizing this show about 
there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of stuff that was taught that was not in person. There was a lot of stuff that was done behind the scenes that really people didn't understand. But this team that, you know, ended up four and two, and I'm, I'm not happy with how we ended. I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm, this, the last two games of the year, you know, we didn't win. You know, so that's the taste that I have in my mouth. It's not the taste that, oh, Carl, you had a great year and all that. That is far from where I feel right now. We had we ended the season losing games. So that's what I'm looking at as I go into 21. So there were some steps of progress. Yes. No question. Did it end the way that it should have ended? No, not at all. So I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm not. I can't. I'm not going to lie. I'm not. We have work to do. And we and our team knows that they know that given the, the discussion we had after the Texas game in the bowl, that this was the last time I said this is the last time that we would look this poorly again, as I'm being the head coach, this is not going to happen, we're going to be more competitive, we're going to be in games that they were that we're going to feel like we're still in a balance of winning the game. And I just felt like that wasn't the way that Colorado should have looked at the end of the year. Now, I know COVID hit us. I know that I we had it. opt-outs. I know that we've had things, but I'm not an excuse maker. I'm not. And, and whatever we put on the field, I'm expecting we have chances to win with. And we just didn't play at that level at the end of the year. Head coach of the Golden Colorado Buffaloes joining us here, Mr. Carl Durrell. Uh, coach, <laughs> you got me ready to run through a wall over here. That's 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 what I love. I mean, I, I hate the fact that you're not happy, but I love the fact that you're not happy at the same time. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to the off season and you guys having, you know, the full opportunity to develop this team. And the next question leads straight into that with the NCAA granting the waiver and allowing these guys to come back next year. It's looking like Mustafa's coming back and Kennard's coming back and Nate came, came out last night and said he's coming back and you got Carson Wells coming back and your entire secondary. And I'm looking at that defense primarily and going, man, when you get Coach Wilson's hands on him and your hands on him and Coach Summer's hands on him and Coach Meat's hands on him during the spring ball in the summer, it's going to be a nasty defensive football team next year. And just just talk about your personnel a little bit and moving into next season and then on offense, the only question I have is, how excited are you for a quarterback battle? <laughs> well, defensively, and we knew going into the season, Matt, that our defense was really our strength of our, our team, you know, in terms of what it looked like on paper. And like you mentioned, those names with Nate and Mustafa and Carson and, and T. Lang and all those guys, they're all back next year. So I, I, I've been wow. very impressed with them about, them buying into the direction we're going and the message that we're presenting to our team right now, that they feel that, you know what, we have a chance to really do some damage. If we all come back, if we all kind of have a great off season and, and develop as a football team and build our depth and continue to get better at our, at our systems. You know, I think this prelude of what we did this fall tells them that we're really in the thick of this thing. We have as good a chance as anybody to win this conference. And we felt Amen. that way going into last week, last year, even in that six game season, but they now have touched it, right? They've touched it and they know, you know, where they're, they've made some positive steps and they know that there's some ground that needs to be gained too. So they feel it. They know that they can be in the thick of this thing. So I'm, I'm very proud of those seniors you mentioned 
because they bought into the message about working hard, training hard, you know, having physical practices, you know, be doing things that are that matter to being successful. Yes, yeah. the mind, you know, mentally understanding that process. So those guys are leading that charge going into 21. So I'm excited that they're all back. I know offensively, Sam Neuer came from nowhere. You know, everyone was saying, well, who is this guy? And I know, Sam, if you talk to him, if he was on your show right now, he'd say, you know, probably pretty much what I've been telling you is that he's not happy with his last two games and how he played. And he knows he has and needs an offseason of work and, and digesting information and getting better for him to play at a level that he thinks he's capable of playing and that we expect him to play. You know, we have uh, some good young quarterbacks. You saw young Brendan Lewis come in the game yep. and do some really positive things. He should be excited about, you know what? If Sam doesn't make it back, you know, because Sam just had surgery, sure, sure that maybe surgery, I right? get a chance to lead this team. So there's a lot of positive momentum of people and players that have played and had some success that they can build on and, and improve for going into 21. So you're right. You, we, we do feel good about that. But I'm going to continually remind them about how we ended the year. <laughs> that's not, you know, I know you're not, not supposed to look at that and that's in your rearview mirror and all that. Well, yeah, in a way, but it's also, that's the last thing we put on field. That's the last thing that people saw. So we got to change what that look was and make sure that they remind, are reminded of what that looked like, knowing that that's not ever going to happen again. Yeah, the expectation has always got to be to dominate and win. And when we lose, it's not acceptable. We got to fix it. So, right. uh, Coach Carl Durrell joins us here in episode 97 of McChesney Unchained as we talk about your Golden Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, Coach, you're talking about, you know, the, the seniors on defense, and you're going to have a ton of competition there. You're talking about the competition in the quarterback room, and you get, you're bringing this transfer from Tennessee now. Mm -hmm. I'm of the mindset, and when, when I was up there from 2004 with Coach Barnett and Coach Wilson, it was always competition. If you didn't bring your A game, you're going to get replaced. You're going to lose your job. And it, it's something I had to learn. In the middle of my junior year, I got benched and had to pick pick up my game. That's the way it works. So just just talk about your, your, your mindset on not necessarily – uh, one, one thing that I get into a lot with, with supporters of CU and whatnot is – you know, the average fan looks at, say, the Alamo Bowl, and Lewis had a good game. They go, oh, well, he should be the starter next year. And I'm like, okay, pump your brakes. Sam just made second team all-conference, and we now have the ability to compete and go. earn it. So I, I believe wholeheartedly that if you have open competition at every position, from the seniors to the freshmen, it's going to drive everybody to get better every day. So – Give me your mindset on just that moving into the spring and the summer. And this this new class of kids that you have coming in, I know damn well that Chase Penry and, and Trustin Oliver are going to compete their ass off when they walk in that door. So I'm really excited to see this team in the offseason. Yeah, I am too. And and you bring up a great point, and I mentioned this to the team, you know, that uh, Tuesday night after our game uh, with Texas is that, man, I said, you need to understand this. This, this year of 20 – has nothing to do with 21. <laughs> you know, what we did for 2020, this four and two record, and yeah, we made a positive step of, of establishing our foundation of our program, but that really has no bearing on what the year of 2021 is gonna be. So in other words, it is open competition at every position. You know, even though we have some, we think some experienced players coming back like a Nate Lamb and those guys, we know that are really good players, they know, and particularly for Nate and his injury, 
he's got to get back to playing the level that what yeah. Nate expects of himself. So literally every position on this football team is going to be competitive. In other words, there's no, you know, there's no, you know, incumbent, you know, there, there's, there, you're going to have to come in there and show why, if you were the starter in 20, why you should be there in 21. You're going to have to prove yourself every time. And you've mentioned a point, love Matt, it. in your career at, at CU. I love it. I, I told the team this, my point, you know, I remember when I was at UCLA receiver, I, I played my freshman year. I was a backup behind Jojo Townsell, who was a great player. He was a senior. Okay. So I played and I, I probably averaged playing maybe five, 10 plays a game. Not very much, but I was just a reserve player. So they graduated. And then of course I'm thinking, well, shoot, I'm the, I'm the starter. Start. I'm, I'm the guy I'm, you know, I'm back. <laughs> so I go through spring practice and, you know, I had a great spring and I, and, and I was coming out of spring, the starter going into that 19, you know, uh, 83 season. Well, there was another receiver that and actually played here in Colorado, Michael Young. Michael Young okay. was a receiver for the Denver Broncos. He was a UCLA Bruin. But Michael played baseball his first two or three years at UCLA and then just decided, you know what, I'm going to just go all in on football. So, And Michael was a junior at the time when I was a sophomore. So I remember that fall camp, all of a sudden, I'm splitting time with Michael Young you know, and competing for a job that I thought that I won in the spring. So I go to my coach. I'm like, coach, I mean, What's the deal? I just got here this fall. You know, I've been working my tail off since spring. I mean, what, why are we splitting time here? And he said, Carl, you got to understand this. This is a coach that recruited me. This is Homer Smith, who I love and has taught me everything about, you know, this coaching profession, by the way. He says, Carl, let me tell you this. Yes, I recruited you. Yes, you're a good player, all those things. But you need to understand this. I'm always trying to find somebody better than you. <laughs> he told me that as a young kid, as a sophomore. He says, I'm always trying to find somebody better than you. And I looked at that as a sophomore like, wow, he just did a 180 on me. He, don't, he, he gave me all that love in recruiting, but yet he's not this way <laughs> as my coach. So I took it. I, you know, I pouted in pain. You know, I did all those things, called mom, mom, I want to come yep. home. All those things that you can imagine people do, right? Yep. But then I realized there's a little chip on my shoulder that said, Carl, just go compete. Just go out there and compete. You'll take care of business. Just go out there and compete. Well, after a couple of days, I realized, you know what? He's challenging me to try to, you know, he's trying to get the best out of me. I figured it out. And then really at that point in time, I had my best year, probably my best year of my career at UCLA, my sophomore year. Is, and we went to the Rose Bowl, and, and I caught a couple touchdowns for Rick Neuheisel, all that stuff. We had a great year that year. And the point of the matter was it was eye-opening for me to realize that, you know what, each and every year of my career, I got to compete for this job. And I had that chip on my shoulder every year. So that's the same thing that you went through, Matt, I went through, yep. is that you, every year is a new year. It, just because you were the starter last year doesn't mean you're the starter this year. So those guys that we are, you know, seniors that were marching to come back and we're excited about, well, they better hang on to their jobs because we got young guys that are going to try to unseat them on those jobs, you know. But you're right; it's open competition for everybody, and that's what's going to make us a really good program. And and that's that's really the the salt of college football is competition. Bring exactly. bring the young guys in, teach them how to do it. The older guys that know the way, lead the way. Um, you've got some great veterans on that football team up there, and I know they embrace the young guys, and that's that's very important in my opinion as well. There's no 
once you walk into that locker room, there is no senior freshman. We're all buffs and we've got to come together. Um, you know, just look at Christian Gonzalez this year. I mean, right. starting four years a true freshman. Right. So you never know when you're gonna when your when your number is gonna be called and you damn sure want to be ready. So last question I got for you here, Coach Terrell, is as we as we wrap up episode 97 McChesney Unchained here. Uh <clears throat> moving into next year and it looks like Let's see, three and eight, an 11 game season. Okay. You've got UNC at home to start the season, Texas AM at home, Minnesota at home. You've got Oregon at home, Washington at home, SC at home, and Arizona at home. That's seven, six. UNC is still a big game to open the season, but they are a big sky team. I'm glad they're coming down. Need to play well. Right. That's, that's seven home games in Folsom with fans that I would bet six of the seven are going to be big time ESPN or ABC type games with your football team and the growth that you saw this year, other than to compete and to win, are your expectations next year to go out and compete for a PAC 12 title with this football team? Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. I knew it. You know, we, we have to, and, and they, they were close this year, you know, and yep. they have to understand that we just got to work a little bit harder, keep developing our depth, I think the biggest thing they our team realized too, Matt, and you mentioned it earlier uh, inadvertently, was there has to be that next man up mentality on our team. Yeah, you know, we got good players, but they get hurt. And we have to have guys that can step in and play at a level that doesn't seem that makes it seamless in that transition. We have to be able to do that. And we had those those experiences this year with some young guys that had you mentioned Christian Gonzalez yep. that had to come in and play. So I think even our young players that have played understand that, wow, I got to be ready because this happened and I had to play. And yeah, I made a few mistakes, and, but now I, I'm going to be better from it. You know, we got to make sure that the whole team understands that philosophy about I'm expecting great level of football, whether you're a first teamer or a second teamer, you know, because this is a physical game. Guys are going to get hurt. We need to know that our, we need to know that our team knows that the expectations of them, when they step on the field, we expect them to perform at a high level that doesn't deter for our success. And I think that some of that occurred this in this shortened season in 20 that they will build from going into this 21 year. Yeah, ne never losing. You're always learning. You're That's always one thing learning. that I always, always tell everyone. Getting better. Absolutely. But yes, All our right. expectations is to be right in the thick of it each and every year. I cannot wait. Coach Durrell, the last question that I have for you, and I was going to ask it a little earlier and I forgot. Um, Coach Barnett used to do red letter on the schedule, and he used to mark two to three games a year that he believed we had to go out and assert our will and win those games to, to really obtain the goals that we wanted to obtain. They were usually, back in the day, your opener, which was CSU or whomever we had, and then – either Oklahoma, Kansas State, middle of the year, and Nebraska at the end of the season. If you had to red letter two games next year off the top of your head, who would you red letter? Well, I think the, the significant games, given the success they had this year, I would say early in the year has to be an A&M. That's got to be a Amen. big game for us. Uh, that's a measuring stick game, just like this Texas yep. game was. But, yeah, we're going to have that at the early of the, uh, start of the season. I think that's an important game. And then, secondly, I would say it's the Utah. The Utah game, 
you know, I know that CU has not been, in, including myself, I'm in part of that now because I was unsuccessful this year too. But, you know, Utah's won that game, I think, at least four or five out of the last five or six tries. So I think we've only beaten them twice since we've been in the Pac-12, yeah, maybe so, three times. So that's, that's an important milestone for us because Utah and Kyle Whittingham, who's done a great job there, that's a, that's a barometer too. You know, if you're usually winning that game, that means that you're a good football team. Yep. And, and so those two games, I think, at the top of my head, since you threw it out there, I would say would be those type of games. Coach, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come talk to Unchained Nation down here at DNVR and all the Buff fans out there that, uh, that are, are starving for content. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, keep up the great work up there, and obviously we'll be in touch for, for all the recruiting stuff and whatnot. But enjoy the rest of your January, and I cannot wait to see you guys back on campus and getting ready for the spring and winter conditioning and everything that rolls into that. So we'll talk what, soon. Man, the one thing I can't wait is to get off campus to see some of our – local kids high school yeah they get off campus and go to some of these things i know they haven't been able to see us either but hopefully that'll change it, here this spring it's one of the it's it's a very i know it's frustrating for you guys it's frustrating for us down here too but all we can do is keep building bridges so that's right i'll uh i'll be in touch on, on the recruiting side of things my friend and uh you keep up the good work up there in boulder and thank you for all you do coach I appreciate, appreciate your time thank you very much thank you sir Remember that DraftKings and all the advice that we give you here, none of it's 100%, but I have been hitting about, I don't know, 350 right now, if you were talking average. Um, we're killing it right now uh, with our picks. And, and the pick of the week this week uh, on DraftKings is going to be multiple touchdown scores. And when you're looking at the wildcard games this weekend, uh, having three on each day and the ability to go on DraftKings and, and you know, a guy who's going to score two touchdowns, when's he going to score in the game? You can parlay all those picks together. But if, if I'm betting my money, which I am this weekend, and I can give you some advice out there on Chain Nation, it's very simple. Derek Henry will score more than one touchdown in, in the Tennessee Baltimore game. So putting money on him scoring two plus touchdowns is a lock in my opinion. Stefan Diggs against the Colts. Uh, the Colts defense is very good, but Stephon Diggs led the led the uh, NFL in receptions this year, and he's and he's Josh Allen's go-to guy. And all you got to do is get under his skin a little bit, and he will put you on a poster, uh, just like he did to the Patriots the last time he went out and played, where he had three touchdowns. He's a multiple touchdown scorer. You definitely want to get on Stephon Diggs, and then. The L.A. Rams and the Seattle Seahawks in that game, if I were to take a three-pick parlay on who would score, uh, the uh, Ram defense, DJ Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, parlay those three together, and you will, you're, you're going to make yourself some money this weekend on DraftKings. So remember, the promo code is DNVR. Go in and log on and, uh, and, and let us know how you did at, uh, at DNVR Unchained on Twitter and then also at Six Zero Academy. Uh, and obviously, follow those two platforms, and we'll be, we'll be throwing out a bunch of betting information uh, as the week goes on. So keep your, uh, keep your ear to the ground on that. And thanks to DraftKings for their support of DNVR and also McChesney Unchained. All right, let's get into this and wrap up episode 97. McChesney Unchained coming to you from the bar and studio down here off of Colfax. Come down and support your local small business. Watch some of the games. Get yourself a beer uh, and enjoy yourself. Um, the Unchained rant is this. The NFL playoffs are here. I think this is personally the absolute best weekend of sports uh, for college football and the pros with the national championship game on Monday night and then having now the super wildcard weekend with three games on Saturday and three games on Sunday. 
So let's get into the Unchained rant and roll. Let's do this. Uh, your number one seeds are Kansas City and Green Bay, and they both earned those rights. Uh, Coach Logan was on the show a little bit earlier talking about how how just absolutely outstanding Mahomes and Rodgers have played this year and, and how some of the other quarterbacks in the NFL try and mimic uh, what they see from those two, and it's just something you can't do. Uh, so those two are going to be arrested as the week goes on. But I want to get into the significance of having these games and an extra playoff game on both days. I think it's the smartest thing the NFL has done in a long time. Next year, they're going to 17 games. They're obviously going to have this the extra playoff game now moving forward. It just gets more opportunity to more good football teams, and also it gives us more opportunity not only to bet and make some money on football, but to watch more, which I know everybody out there listening to the show and myself love. So Colts at Buffalo, Cleveland at Pittsburgh, Baltimore at Tennessee – the Bears at the Saints, the Rams at Seattle, and Tampa at Washington. Those games are going to be outstanding. And if I had to do any picks here, I'm going to pick Buffalo over the Colts, although I think it's going to be a very highly contested game. I don't see how Cleveland can go to Pittsburgh and win uh, right now just because Stefanski's out with COVID and they've got a couple other coaches out and a couple starters. They shot their gun last week winning uh, in Cleveland without Roethlisberger, without a couple other guys for the Steelers and I know that that defense is going to be salty after giving up all the rushing yards to Nick Chubb and honestly you know you go out and stop Chubb and 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 Kareem Hunt in that game you make Baker Mayfield try and beat that Pittsburgh defense at full bore coming off a loss at home in the playoffs I don't see it happening although the turds did have a good year you're going to be stinky on Saturday um Baltimore at Tennessee is going to be an absolute fist fight I cannot wait to watch this football game it a repeat of last year's divisional round Baltimore now going to Nashville to play the Titans the Ravens uh, this is another game that you may want to look at on DraftKings as well because Lamar Jackson he hasn't been running the ball a lot the last month of the season and I think that's simply just to confuse everybody and get their mind off of it uh, I think that Baltimore will run the ball and try and control the clock and really uh, you know maximize Lamar Jackson's feet in this game he would probably be a double touchdown score too if I had to guess um, but then you know Tennessee last week I don't know how many rushing yards they ran for against Houston but it was a lot uh, it was almost like a damn mile, uh, but Travis Henry or Travis Henry, Derek Henry, King Henry goes over 2000 yards. Uh, only what the third or fourth guy all time to do that. Uh, he wins the Russian crown two years in a row that essentially stamps his passport to Canton. Um, so I, I just can't wait to watch that game. I I'm going to take the Titans just because they're the home team, but Really, this is this is a pick'em game, in my opinion. I don't know you can, if you can go wrong either way. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up in overtime. Uh, I doubt Baltimore wants to get their ass kicked like they did last year, and and they're going to want to avenge that game. Uh, the Bears and the Saints. The Bears, you know, back into the playoffs with the Cardinals losing. Um, I don't think the Bears have a chance to beat the Saints, but look, Trubisky has been playing better. Moody, if he's healthy, had eleven catches last week. The rookie from Tulane. Their defense is legitimate, and they can rush the passer. The, the key is going to be, can you stop Alvin Kamara, the, who led the league in touchdowns this year? Can you stop him from scoring four, five, six touchdowns like he did on Christmas Day? That that was absolutely insane. I mean, they've got the defensive heads to do it. Mack and Hicks and Trevathan and you know all these other dudes. they got guys everywhere. Eddie Jackson's a baller at safety. It's just that defense is going to have to play mistake-free and not give up big plays because I don't see the Saint defense folding or bending 
ending very much in New Orleans, knowing that they have to support Drew Brees on his exit uh, tour here through the playoffs. The Rams in Seattle, like I said, I'm going to take the Rams uh, in Seattle to beat the Seahawks. Um, I picked the Rams at the beginning of the season to play in the Super Bowl, so I'm going to ride with my pick. I think that their defense is legitimate, and I don't think that the two in, the two guards in the center, the interior players for for the uh, Seahawks, are going to be able to handle Aaron Donald, Morgan Fox, and then the, you know the you've got to have to double team one of them, and you, you only have five guys, so there's going to be a lot of one on one opportunities for Floyd outside, and Jalen Ramsey's going to be eager to make a play. So yeah, he's been locking down Medcalf the first two games they played. I'd imagine he'll do the same thing, and that defense knows they have to play mistake free because they've got some dude that's on LinkedIn playing quarterback for him. So. You know, the Rams need to really look at potentially moving up in the draft and trying to get one of these quarterbacks as well because I don't think Jared Goff is that guy. Um, and then lastly, Tampa at Washington. Uh, the Washington football team, hopefully they can get a, a name one of these days. That would be awesome. Um, they they get into the playoffs with a 7-9 and nine record. I love how the Giants and the Cowboys are complaining and the Eagles and whatnot. Like, y'all's team suck, man. You don't get to complain. I will say this. The competitive – nature of football made what Doug Peterson did the other night, taking Jalen Hurts out with the ability to go win. I think if he stays in, they win the game. They couldn't stop him running. If he stays in the game, they win and New York does get in and you have every right to be angry, but you finished six and 10. So you suck. You don't deserve to be in the playoffs anyway. I think I'd love for them to mandate a rule saying, if you have a losing record, you can't get in losing the NFC or winning the NFC lease doesn't give you the right to host a playoff game, but whatever the rules are the rules. Um, I just the fact that Doug Peterson took his quarterback out when they're in the heat of it just to what evaluate him is it's one of the weakest excuses I've ever heard just to keep your draft position. Um, I'd be pissed if I was a, an Eagle fan that that guy didn't get fired just because of that. I didn't think he needed to get canned until he did that shit. So look, it goes full circle back to Tampa Bay and Washington before we uh, we wrap up episode 97. Tom Brady is on a mission. Okay. Mike Evans didn't get hurt very bad last week. He'll be fine. Antonio Brown has got his feet underneath him, and he looks like the AB of old. Chris Godwin is killing people. Gronkowski's uncoverable. The, the, the key to this is going to be, can Todd Bowles hold, hold, that, hold that vigor to go blitz every play back and pick his spots correctly? Is Ndamukong Sue going to show up and play like a man-child, or is he just going to collect checks? Is JPP going to show like a man-child or collect checks? Is White and, and, and uh, the other middle linebacker, the kid from Nebraska, I can't remember his name right now, uh, Levante, David, are they going to show up and 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 dominate the way that they're capable of, or are they going to play another good team and get boat raced? So I, I think that they take care of, of Washington on the road. I don't see how uh, Alex Smith can't move. He's the comeback player of the year. I respect him. He's had a great season. I love what he's done. He's a tough bastard, but I think that that front and those linebackers are going to get after his ass and he can't run. And if he takes a right shot on that leg, he's going to, they're going to amputate it on the field. So I just don't see how their offense can keep up with Tampa because even if Tampa only scores 24, I don't see how Washington can score that many points. So Washington's almost there. They have a very good defense. I love their defensive line. I think Chase Young is a budding superstar, but they still need some work, and and I'm glad they got into the playoffs. But here's your here's your uh, reward: you get to play Tampa and a pissed off Tom Brady. I would not be surprised at all if Tampa goes to Green Bay and gives them every inch 
a fight. But again, if the Rams win, they'll end up going to Green Bay and Tampa will end up going to New Orleans. So I'm very interested to see how that all shakes out. All right. That is the Unchained Rant episode 90, episode 97 of McChesney Unchained here on DNVR. I'm going to get out of here for the day. You guys enjoy the games this weekend. Remember to go check out DraftKings. Use the promo code DNVR there uh, to get set up and, and uh, make yourself some money. Follow the show at DNVR Unchained and myself at Sixer Academy on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you to Allie and Adam for all their hard work and a big thank you to Coach Dave Logan and to Coach Carl Durrell of your Golden Colorado Buffaloes for coming on episode 97 and spitting some truth. Thanks, folks. Have a great weekend and uh, yeah, I'll see you next week and talk more NFL. Thank you.